Hello and welcome to the Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. I'm your host, Gareth Skur, and I will also be joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have the brilliant Matthew Glover. Matthew is a co-founder of global campaigns such as Veganuary and Million Dollar Vegan. And more recently, he's taken on the global giant KFC with his very own brand, VFC, Vegan Fried Chicken. In this interview, we discover how a double-glazing salesman has gone on to create global change by daring to think big. This episode is full of tips to be effective advocates in the realm of business and hospitality. We are so glad to have met Matthew through this series as he inspires Vegan FTA to keep thinking bigger. We hope this episode inspires you as much as it did us. And be sure to check out our social media pages at Vegan FTA on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube, where you can also find this series in video format. So Matthew, uh, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I've got a a background in in running businesses, uh, uh, being an entrepreneur. So I started my first company when I was 21 um, and uh, been sort of in that sort of double glazing event space. Um, And then more recently... Um, the world changed for me when I became a vegan. This was about eight or nine years ago. So I've been doing a degree of activism through Veganuary. I know we're going to talk about that, a uh, million dollar vegan. Um, so yeah, that's it. I, I have um, a partner in crime, Jane. She, she's a bit of an introvert, so she's not on the call with 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 me. Um, but we're very much uh, like you to work on it together. Um, and uh, so that that's me in, in a nutshell. That's a pretty awesome nutshell. <laughs> I mean, Veganuary alone has inspired almost a million people in 192 countries to try a vegan diet, which is incredible. Um, and, you know, as a, as a creator of Veganuary, along with Jane, when the concept first came to you, was it just a bit of a whimsical idea? Um, or did you have the feeling even back then that you might be onto something big? Uh, listen, I always think big in everything that I do. So I was... I was pretty confident that it would work. Um, I mean, at times I'm sort of disappointed it hasn't done better, um, but that's just the way I am, you know. But I, I think in, in many respects, we were quite lucky that the name really resonated with people from, from the outset. So that there was sort of precedence, particularly in the UK with um, Stoptober and Movember. So this idea of people committing to do something for a month normally something quite positive um and the name being sort of a hash of 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 two words sort of merged together so when we uh myself and jane were talking through the idea of doing a pledge vegan pledge which we felt was the best thing to to get people at least giving it a go and then we talked about what what was going to be the best month and we felt that january was the right month um for this you know with new year's resolutions and People have just eaten too much food at Christmas and uh, people are just generally more interested in the health and all that aspect as well. So we had the word vegan in January and it was like, veganuary, does that work? You know, and uh, it it worked really well. I mean, the the first year, even though it was just myself and Jane working on the campaign, um, we got some great media attention. We were in The Guardian. We, We had the Daily Mail writing that Jamie Oliver was taking part in Veganuary, which was total nonsense. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where they got the story from, but 
that was, you know, it, just just the two of us working in our kitchen, and suddenly you're in these national newspapers. was was great. So, um, yeah, but we were very lucky. It sort of then started to generate its own momentum. So at the time, um, I understand you were still selling double glazing, and Jane was um, was working as a teacher. What did the local community yeah. there in York uh, think of you guys all of a sudden hitting the news with this? Yeah, I, actually, I think we kept it, it pretty low uh, for the first uh, sort of few years. But I, uh, one story I can tell you is about two, three years, or well, two years ago, we moved into. Um, a small hamlet on the outskirts of uh, of York. Um, so there's like 15 houses. And um, I said to Jane when we move here, let's let's not tell everybody we're vegan. It's it's a farming community around here. Let's just let's get to know everybody first before we like let let this news out, let the cabbage out the bag. Um, and 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 then within a couple of weeks, there was a journalist from the York Press got in touch um, and uh, wanted to do a, a little interview. So Jane said, oh, you know, we've got this journalist. And I was like, don't do it. You know, we're, we're just getting to know the neighbours. You know, let's, you know. And she says, well, it'll only be a small one. Um, so she she sent back some questions. And then they, the, the journalist wanted some photographs. And I was like, don't send any photographs. Um, anyway, she did do. Anyway, next day, we were on the front page of the York Press. Um, big picture of me and Jane, York couple run the January campaign, something like that. So then it was, you know, the neighbour found out. But actually, everybody's fine with it. We, we get on great. Um, so th there's, there's talk of a barbecue later on in the summer once the lockdown finishes. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. See how that goes. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. I can imagine, though, page two, big sale on pitchforks and torches, you know? <laughs> yeah, welcome to the neighbourhood. <laughs> oh, uh, there was, uh, it, it, went, it went onto the York Press online as well, and, and some of the comments were, were, were quite amusing from, from people. Um, uh, we, we live in a village called Cotmanthorpe, and uh, there's one person put, you know, to think, I, I nearly moved to Cotmanthorpe as well. Glad I didn't. You know? <laughs> You influence the whole village. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. But um, I mean, one of the, the reasons that Veganuary appeals to so many is that from the outset, you know, you've, pre you've presented veganism in such a positive way. Um, is this a natural extension of you and Jane and how you live and view being vegan? You know, would you say that this whole sort of joyful aspect is a key to marketing and, and growing Veganuary? Oh, no, we're quite miserable, really. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we just, we looked at it and, uh, you know, we, we, we live in a, c a community where veganism is, is not the norm. So we, we felt that um, we needed something, that we needed the campaign to be non-judgmental and friendly and, uh, you know, not typical sort of hardcore animal rightsy um so we 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 just it just intuitively came that way where we just you know i, I guess it i guess it is an extension of our personalities where we didn't want to fall out with anyone we just wanted to to say look give it a go for a month you know if if if, if you enjoy it that's great you know we obviously we secretly want you to stick with it at the end of january but we're not going to be you know we're not going to be judgmental if you um accidentally 
get drunk and have a kebab in the middle of January. It's it's not the end of the world, you know. We we, we help you get back on and onto the uh, program and uh, see how it goes. And then through doing that, you tend to get more people that are open to giving in a go. That, that's our experience anyway. And uh, so the, the campaign's always been like that. Um, we you know we do share, still share traditional animal rights messages um but it's dotted around with sort of friendly sort of messages as well positive messages um and that seems to work that's worked for the campaign you know if we were too hardcore we wouldn't be able to to work with all of the big chain restaurants and supermarkets and, and all of those wouldn't wouldn't entertain us if we were too too hardcore i would say yeah yeah very true even, even over here you know veganuary is a thing over here and the stores get involved in the supermarkets you know and we have big displays which is is fantastic like you say you know if, if it was hardcore i don't think that you could uh, do that too well especially in rural old new zealand <laughs> <laughs> well that's great to hear it's happening in new zealand as well because we don't have any staff there or you know so it, it's uh it, it it's always been a campaign that's done extremely well in the uk uh, in fact there's um we've worked with YouGov uh, as part of the government uh, and, and they did uh, a survey recently to identify what proportion of the UK population were aware of certain animal rights groups and uh, veganuary 40% of the UK population was aware of the campaign um, but again I'm like well, what about the other 60% you know so how, <laughs> we need to work on that but um, yeah, so we're, we're, we're pleased. Um, but in, in other countries such as Australia, New Zealand, US, the rest of the world, pretty much, then Veganuary is not as well known. Um, but, you know, we've got, we still plan to gradually keep uh, growing the campaign internationally. I definitely think it's getting there. Um, there's a lot of people I meet who don't really know what a vegan is, but they've heard of Veganuary, so that's a good sign. But, oh, great. Um, once you got the, um, the campaign up and running, you did... Um, you end up writing a book of how to go vegan, and it's a brilliant little resource, you know, uh, helping to keep people on, on track there. Have you found more people are sticking to the veganuary um, now that they've got the extra little support on hand? Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, I want to uh, say that the, the book was written by Kate Fowler, who is uh, an amazing activist in the UK, so hugely experienced. Um, and... Uh, we actually that that particular book um we had a call from the publishers in 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 august saying you know we'd like to do a book with you and and uh, we we'd been a different publisher that got in touch to 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 do a similar sort of book and and they were saying they would do it the year after so when i was speaking to hodders i said well look if we if you guys can turn this book around in by this January, um, then you know we've got a deal, and, and they said, "Well, if you can write the book in five weeks, we can turn it around." So Kate, uh, she she just put herself in a room and she just put pen to paper, and she wrote an amazing book, um, and we managed to get it ready for the for the for the next Veganuary uh, campaign. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the figures are, but there's certainly sold um, thousands of copies. Um, so far, and uh, yeah, the, the the feedback that we've got is um, that that when you've read the book and you've thought it through, and we're very, it's called how to go vegan, um, but 
the first third of the book is why go vegan as well. So we start off with all of the reasons why, and then we give the practical tips. So it certainly uh, is, is a very useful resource for anybody that's taking part in, in Veganuary. Definitely, definitely. I think it's, you know, it's an awesome resource anyway. And I've got, I mean, we, we've written, uh, we wrote a cookbook um, earlier in the year and, or last year, should I say, and, and it took us a hell of a lot longer than five weeks. So that's amazing. That's a huge <laughs> turnaround. And it's such a great resource to have as well. Just, just the name, How to Go Vegan. I mean, I've been getting people asking me lately, can you write How to Go Vegan? It's like, oh my God, where do you start? You know, so it's so great to say, yeah. well, go here there's a whole book on it you know because it's a lot more than yeah. just like well you do this you know <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a brilliant resource and um i mean like you say veganuary's influenced supermarkets and and other business which have otherwise been sort of quiet in january which was another great bonus of um you know the the whole uh not gimmick, but you know, the whole concept um, and made yeah. them realize what a demand there is for vegan food and, and develop new products. And apparently Marks and Spencer's who I miss greatly, you know, even they've created a vegan strategy group. Um, and with every year that goes by, you know, like I say here in New Zealand, there are more and more companies, more and more places that are offering vegan options because of it. And all this from a small seed of an idea. Um, was this also the case with your next project, which was uh, Cost Million Dollar Vegan? You know, did that start on a bit of a whim as well? Or again, was that big from the outset? Yeah, um, just on the Marks and Spencer's point, uh, just a quick story on that. Um, the, the, the actual part of the reason why Marks and Spencer's have, have developed such an amazing range is that there's, there's a young woman there who took part in Veganuary and, uh, and stuck with it. Um, and uh, she, she we, we met with her about three years ago and uh, she was struggling because she was a food development person so she had to try the foods that she was developing and some of them at that point in time were still meat-based so you know she, she was vegan but she was still having to put meat in her mouth which was creating her all sorts of sort of ethical problems as you can imagine um, so we met with her and she said, what should we do? Maybe I should join a vegan business uh, that develops. And I was like, no, stay at Marks and Spencer's, you know, because you can make such change if you do that. And, uh, and then since then, she sort of led the way on developing Plant Kitchen. And, uh, so that's great. Sorry, I didn't, I'm not answering your question at all here. But in terms of uh, Million Dollar Vegan, yeah, it was, um, that was, we, we originally thought about doing it for Veganuary. Um, so the, the, the million dollar uh, sort of offer concept, um, but it, it felt like more of a, an edgy sort of controversial campaign. So we felt that we will create a standalone um, campaign for that. And, you know, we, we worked with um, some uh, donors uh, in the movement that uh, were willing to sort of back it and put the, put the money up as well. So it took a little bit of planning, but, uh, you know, a fun campaign nevertheless um and uh um it, it's still it's still you know it's only like 18 months uh, it's been it's existed for so it's still very early days for the campaign oh it's brilliant it's so exciting what you do like everything is so positive and i mean for those who don't know um million dollar vegan shot to fame in what 2019 when it helped um a 12 year old genesis butler write a letter to the pope asking him to go vegan for lent in exchange for donating a million dollars to charity. And, um, you know, at the time you said it was a, a deliberate sort of audacious move to jolt worldly, 
world leaders, should I say, out of their complacency. I was absolute genius, you know, and it attracted so much traction and awareness all around the world. Um, and like you say, got awesome celebrity backing. How was it you heard about Genesis and what made you decide to get behind her and her mission? Yeah, well, we, we felt that if it was a, an animal rights group asking the Pope to, uh, to, 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 to go vegan for Lent, it wouldn't carry as much weight as this amazing young girl, you know. So we, we, we were aware of Genesis. She's a superstar. Even before Million Dollar Vegan, she was, uh, you know, doing amazing things. She did a TEDx talk when she was six, was it? Six, seven, eight, something like that. Um, and she, she spoke so passionately. And so... Um, you know, we we were debating whether we could get um, a celebrity to to make the request of, of the Pope, um, but we felt it softened it quite substantially if if we could have a uh, an amazing young activist like Genesis on, on board. So, um, we we the, the how we got to to speak to her about it was um, we were at the animal rights conference in in the U.S. and Genesis was there, so we um, we got we got to know her and uh, we we had friends and put us together um and uh there was a question asked of a um you know genesis you know if you were to ask any of the world leaders to go vegan would you be happy to do that and she was like yeah of course amazing you know i'd love to do that so um we felt comfortable that she she would because it was a big thing as well to for that media limelight such a young person but um we spoke to her mom and did all of the due diligence and we knew that she was going to be totally comfortable with with being part of it and fronting the campaign. She did an amazing job. And um, we actually, the Pope, I don't know if you remember, but she, she her and her mum visited the Vatican and um, um, got within two meters touching distance of uh, His Holiness. Um, but she, she did manage to get within the, the walls of the Vatican City and, and met with um, one of the priests there. And um, he blessed her and blessed the campaign and then we, the, the letter that was signed by lots of celebrities and activists and, and was actually handed over in the Vatican City. And uh, the Pope actually wrote a letter to, to Genesis, to her home, um, thanking her and um, blessing her and praying for her and, and co to continue the great work, uh, which was amazing. I mean, unfortunately, he didn't agree to go vegan. Um, <laughs> but we always knew that that was going to be an audacious ask. And, and, and the success of the campaign we always felt didn't rely on whether the pope agreed to it or not it was more a case of putting it out there for um, a more let's say uh, conservative christian audience to think about the the issues that we were raising um and uh, you know in that respect i think it, i think it worked wow it's such a beautiful story it's and brilliant. um we're hoping to hopefully get hold of genesis during this uh, series and talk more about it like uh, we just yeah. love that story so much and um so million dollar vegan has the bolder approach as compared to the lighter hearted sort of uh veganuary and also yeah. um you guys have collaborated with animal rights movements and environmental movements like uh, extinction rebellion um was it important for you to start bringing those guys in with um the case of million dollar vegan yeah, I, I, we, we were intrigued by um, Extinction Rebellion, and, and uh, obviously there was the Animal Rebellion uh, part of of that. Um, so we supported it alongside, you know, many other groups uh, at the time. So um, e even though 
um, I, I guess we're more on on the the um, pragmatic side of, of the, the movement, you know, working with you know, all these big uh, organizations. There's a place for all sorts of different types of activism. And uh, so, you know, I was personally intrigued by um, that direct action, um, you know, tactic. So, you know, I was there as well during Extinction Rebellion, um, you know, wanting to be a part of that. Um, so there's, um, there's a great book by Norm Phelps, and he talks about a healthy movement having both what are the terms he uses? Both the politicians and the um, another word, but the the more like the antagonist uh, type of activist. So you know, like if you look at the civil rights movement, you had Martin Luther King, you had Malcolm X, different strategies, but both working towards the same goal. And I, I think I think that's very true in in this movement as well. Um, you know, it, it may very well be that uh, the direct sort of action tactics um, make people aware of, of um, uh, you know, build awareness and make people aware of the issues. Um, but but as, as individuals or as certainly as organisations like uh, big companies, they're more likely to partner with uh, company uh, groups like Veganuary than maybe they are with, you know, DXC or... <laughs> Anonymous or those types of organisations. So, but I think I think we we're all in it together. We're all part of a team, and, and that's how we should see things. And uh, um, and that's a healthy movement to me. Yeah, we mm. truly believe in that too. Hence why we're doing this series um, to hopefully get all of our activists starting to understand all the different little branches and all the different niches that they can go into. Because yeah, yeah, we're all get the wheels turning. What can we do? <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all part of the movement. We're all different cogs in the machine. And um, yeah, it's brilliant when we can work together. So you also put out the million dollar offer to President Trump, or at least President at the time yeah. of recording. Um, and <laughs> so that was to hopefully get him on the vegan diet too. And that was spearheaded by nine-year-old um, vegan Evan another yes. brilliant uh, youngster on board um yeah. it's so great to have these um projects you know and being able to pass over the range and have these different spearheads but out of interest is there someone who's still on your list to get at the moment you know is there someone um you would like to challenge in the future yes um yeah we're we're, we're working on a, a, a i can't say too much obviously um but we're working on a, um, a potential candidate at the moment, uh, we, we're, we'll we'll have a, a different strategy for this one. Um, at, at the moment, with with coronavirus and, and uh, you know the disruption that that's caused, we've decided that it's not the right timing to do another million dollar offer. So, um, as a campaign, we've we've pivoted slightly towards. Uh, doing these food giveaways. Um, so because we've got um, activists in, in different countries, they're, they're working um, with, with various different um, restaurants and kitchens to, to make delicious food and, and to give it to, um, you know, people that are, that are in need. Um, and, uh, you know, they say that, what is it? That the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Um, so we, we're trying to, to use that as a, a form of activism at the moment, um, but I don't think it'd be too long to to um, to have another um, million dollar offer uh, campaign. We'll see. But I, 
like I said, I can't really say more than that. I shall look forward to it gleefully. Yeah. <laughs> and I know somebody else that says all the time about the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things that we love so much about both Veganuary and Million Dollar Vegan is that you give so much away, you know, not only just to participants in the form of free information and resources and support and all of those goodies, but you also give a massive amount to charities. And, um, you know, not only are you working to support the vegan movement, but you're also now working towards systematic change with yet another brilliant venture. I'm wondering if you sleep at all, but um, can you tell us about your new baby, Veg Capital? Um, I love how you describe this in particular as a double whammy of activism. Yeah, it's an extension of the the, 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 um, the activism that we've been doing. Is So um, I, I guess, in simple terms, we've been working on the demand side for a while. We're trying to increase the demand for vegan products by convincing people to um, either reduce their consumption of animal products or, you know, hopefully give them up completely through through the campaigns that we've been doing. Um, some of the experience that certainly we had with Veganuary is that, um, that there is... Um, you know, people are, are very open to the idea of, of going vegan, but they find it very difficult. Um, they, they find that, the, you know, the, the availability of vegan products isn't there, the, the price of vegan products isn't there, or the taste is not quite there yet. So, um, so like through Veganuary, well, we always do um, a survey in February every year of, of all the people that took part, and, and we... We want to see how they got on. We want to find out how many, what proportion of them are going to stick with it. Um, you know, if they're not going to stick with it, have they made changes to their diet that are still positive? Um, and, and through all of that, we've, we've identified that there's five main uh, barriers, if you like, to sticking with it. Um, the first one is, is eating out. You know, people really struggle with that. Um, to, to find vegan options, that, to have enough of a range of, of options when they're eating out. Um, and, and, yeah, in, in places like London or New York, it's easier, but, you know, in other parts of the world, I don't know what it's like in New Zealand, but I'm probably, you know, particularly in rural areas, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not too easy. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be highly committed to, 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 to stick with it. Um, so there's eating out, there's friends and family, it's all of that social pressure, um, you know, that... Um, Particularly, you know, youngsters with parents and parents don't approve. So we get hear a lot of that, those sort of stories. Um, the cooking element, you know, ha having to learn how to, to, to cook vegan food from scratch when you've been used to cooking in a certain way can be a challenge for people. Um, shopping, that's the fourth part of it. So, you know, learning you know, finding the products in, in supermarkets, knowing what, what products are vegan and, and which ones aren't, uh, having to learn how to read labels. And, you know, it, it comes naturally to us now scanning through the, the ingredients and looking for the allergens and stuff, you know, or, or we probably just know what's vegan anyway, so it's easy. But for, for new people, it, it's more difficult. And the fifth um, barrier is cheese. You know, it's got its own sort of... <laughs> People find giving up cheese way more difficult than giving up meat from from our the research that we've done. So, um, so we've we've 
learned all of this and and, and felt that um and particularly with my, myself having a background on, on the commercial side, running businesses, um, that, that maybe it might make sense to start working on the supply side a little bit more um, and helping to um, provide support and, and funding uh, to stimulate um, you know, the business side of it um, to support all the, the exciting new innovations that are coming out. Um, and a, a lot of the, these... Uh, young entrepreneurs have got amazing ideas, but they're bootstrapping it at the minute. And uh, so if we can get, provide them a little bit of support to, to, to develop their products much faster, then it's, that's where the double whammy is. You know, we're still working on the demand side, but if we can help on the supply side, hopefully we'll get there quicker. So we're only a small part of it. There's people doing much more amazing things than we are, but, uh, you know, we're, we're keen to, to give it a go. Well, that's absolutely brilliant. I, I definitely know about yeah that fifth uh, fifth one with cheese. Um, I used to be a massive cheeseaholic back in the day, and I think it's probably yeah. the most advice I give people when they ask about um, wearing a lot of uh, vegan and vegetarian groups. You know, um, so we get that chance to talk to a lot more people, and cheese is always the the big one that comes up. You know, and <laughs> yeah. If I can manage it, I think everyone can. We really. ate a lot of Asian and Indian to start with, you know, but like you say, the yeah. more products we can get out there to, to make it easier for people. It's, uh, even, even just today, you know, I think we take it for granted once we've been vegan for a while as well. Um, even just today yeah. on Facebook, you know, I saw several people in groups going, I'm trying to go vegan, but it's so hard. And of course, you know, after being been vegan three years, it's not hard at all. But you know, I think you can't <laughs> you can't underestimate how people are feeling, you know, and, and having that support there so to make that adjustment easier. It's just yeah, so important. Stop the podcast. We would like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our partners, BFC. BFC makes some great tasting food that doesn't cost a wing and a leg. They take fresh, wholesome plants work some magic, then deep fry them to create vegan fried chicken. All the taste without the suffering. No chickens are harmed in the making of VFC ever. Head on over to vfc.co.uk to get yours today. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, and, and going back to the cheese situation, at the moment that there is, things are definitely getting better, but we, I don't think we've quite cracked the code as a movement yet on cheese. Um, so that there are some amazing products and we're starting to, you know, we're getting pitch decks through from amazing companies. Um, and uh, and I've been getting some samples and I've been giving them to my parents who are not vegan saying that, you know, dad, mom, you know, could you try these and let us know? Because it's, for me, it's like eight, nine years since I've had dairy cheese. So it's not my view that's important. It's your view on this. So, um, but I, I think, um, from what I'm seeing with on the technological side, we're getting there slowly but surely, which is great news. Well, that's brilliant. Definitely. Come so away. the focus of Veg Capital is helping to transform a broken food system. How can um, we help you in achieving that? You know, us, the audience, and um, yeah, just the general public. Yeah, well, we're, we're interested in talking to uh, to great founders. Um, so, you know, raising awareness of that veg capital exists is, is certainly helping us. Um, we, we've been quietly making a few investments because I was still working on the Million Dollar Vegan campaign. Um, you know, through the back end of last year, um, myself and Jane have sort of handed over the reins to, to somebody, uh, to, to Naomi now, who's, who's running the campaign going forward. 
Um, so we needed to tie up a few loose ends before we threw ourselves fully into venture capital. But since we, we launched sort of publicly two weeks ago, we've had at least 50 applications. Um, it's probably way more than that, actually. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's been amazing to see, to see what's, what's out there. So there's, there's no shortage of founders out there that, that need financial support. The challenge for us is we have a limited fund, uh, you know, size, and, you know, we can't unfortunately support everybody. And that I'm finding difficult actually, because there's some great entrepreneurs with great ideas, but they just don't quite fit our criteria. And, uh, you know, I'm finding very difficult to, to say no to these founders because I love what they're doing um, and they love what they're doing and, and they think that they, we should support them and I agree with them to some extent but you know unfortunately we, we you know we can't we, we don't have the capacity to to, to, to offer the, the funding to, to every company unfortunately. I look forward to the uh, the vegans version of uh, Dragon's Den or Shark Tank oh, as they have yes. in, the, in the US you know. That would be awesome. Vegan vault or something. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> so there are there already is. There, there's one uh Vivolution. I don't know if you've come across yes. uh, Damien and Julie. Okay. So they they've uh, run uh, plant and pitch for the last two or three years in London, but it's um not sort of TV show like like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank. Um it, it's done as part of the boot camp. But obviously with COVID nineteen, I think and events are, are unable to to happen at the moment, then um, I think they're looking at a new strategy for, it's called plant and pitch. Um, so very similar sort of idea. Um, but I think there's a lot of people would be interested in seeing that as an online TV show um, because it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, yeah. Seeing these pictures and, and, and the dragons asking the, the these awkward questions. Um, yeah. I don't watch TV, but it's, uh, these days. But it's been like ten years since I've watched TV properly. But I do miss Dragon's Den. I must admit. No, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. All the thinking outside the square, and there's obviously so much going on from what you say, which is is really exciting. So hopefully, yeah. everybody needs to, you know, even the ones that you can't invest in right now, gets to just you know yeah. keep hold of that passion and, and get to where they want to be so um talking of evolution it's funny gareth and i we we went out for lunch yesterday <laughs> and after listening to uh to you doing a talk for for evolution we were going between you know different outlets um where we were there was no 100 percent vegan uh you know eateries but yeah the whole time we were like Hmm, which one would Matthew support? You know, because in the talk that we uh, that we heard you give for for Vivolution, you know, you stress the importance of backing vegan products and voting with our wallets for a better world. And for many of us, you know, we feel conflicted when major corporations put out vegan products or you know non-vegan eateries have vegan options but you know there's still a lot that we don't like about it so can you explain for our viewers why it is also still important that we do back these vegan options? Yeah, so um, the, the, the talk that I gave, the, the headline was something like why KFC, McDonald's and Unilever are not the enemy. Um, and I, I was really apprehensive giving that talk to a, a whole room full, you know, 200 vegan activist types. Um, <laughs> in fact, I had my running shoes on just in case I needed to sort of dash out of the room really quickly at the end. Um, but it, you know, it went down very well. Um, so basically, you know, my, my view is it's nuanced because 
you know, I understand that uh, a lot of activists don't like uh, a lot of how capitalism, you know, functions right now, and I totally get that. Um, and 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 clearly, McDonald's and KFC are involved in, you know, horrendous animal exploitation. So, um, but I think that the, the bigger picture is that, unfortunately, the the, the, the uh, plant-based movement is is such um, so small. I mean, it's it's such a small, small fraction of the overall world economy. Um, I, I shared various different facts, uh, but you know, just looking, for example, at, at vegan restaurants um, as, as one example. So. I think I, we worked it out that the number of ve vegan restaurants in the world is something like 0.001% of all restaurants. So even if the number of vegan restaurants over the next 10 years increase by tenfold, which a lot of people would see that as a real positive move, you know, 10 times more vegan restaurants than there were 10 years ago, we'd still be at 0. 0.00. 1% or whatever it is, 0.2%, um, you know, in 10 years' time. So all, all I was proposing is that wouldn't it be a lot better if the 99.9% .9 of, of normal restaurants, let's call them, are increasing the number of vegan options? So, and to do that, we need, they need to be able to see that there's a demand for it, which means that Vegans, vegetarians, flexitarians need to to, to support that, and then the, those companies then can see that there is a demand, and they can start doing, and then capitalism becomes better. You know, we, we we're we're showing that there's a demand, and then they make, they then start making better choices and start providing more plant-based options. Um, so so that that's the gist of it. I just you know. And at the end of the day, I mean, I go to vegan restaurants. I, I, I support vegan brands myself. We're investing in them right now. But I think my, the, my big issue was the criticism that you get from some vegan activists of people that do support these, these companies by, you know, and, and being critical of them. And I, I think, by all means, if, if, if you don't want to support McDonald's or KFC, um, totally get that. But just don't criticize others that that are doing it because it's not necessarily so black and white. That that that's my perspective on things. Well, that's wonderful. Um, we've had a previous talker, uh, Meredith Marine, mm. and she did uh, vegan Aruba. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but basically, turn the island of Aruba vegan um, by getting these options in so many of the restaurants out there. And basically, yeah, anywhere you go yeah. on the island, you can eat. And yeah, it was yeah. um it's all down to encouragement, wasn't it? It was going yeah. into these places saying, What can I eat? You know, you're not providing enough. I'll eat here if you provide, you know, what I need. And I know heaps of people that will do the same. Yeah. And she's got 40 restaurants now yeah. in the island of Aruba offering okay. vegan options, whereas before <laughs> there were none, you know. So uh, there's nothing yeah. bad in there, you know, it's all positive. So um Yeah, there's some great doing similar sort of work. I just one other ex example that I, I gave in the talk was looking at a, a big organization like Danone, who are, you know, a, a big conglomerate, mostly uh, dairy-based products. And um, they acquired 
uh, a plant-based milk company, White Wave, in about three or four years ago. Huge amount of money. Um, and they've got brands like Alpro in, in, in UK and Europe and Stilk in, in the United States. And, I, I, and, and then if you look at their trading updates over the last couple of years, you'll see them talking about that their dairy side of their business is, is flatlining or even in retreat, but their plant-based products are, are growing, you know, or even sometimes double-digit you know, growth on their, on their plant-based lines. So my, my, my view was that, you know, looking at it, if, if, imagine if I was a director in the boardroom of Danone and you've got two sides to your business, one which is dairy, exploiting animals, and one which is plant-based and, and vegan. And, you know, one's going like this and one's going like this. What are you going to do when it comes to investing in the future? You're going to invest more of your time, money, and resources on the plant-based side of things. And you're going to put less into the, the, the dairy side of it. And, and I've seen people saying, well, I, I'm not willing to spend money with uh, on Alpro because the money's going to go to exploitation of animals through the, you know, the dairy aspect. But I look at it and think, well, actually, another way to look at it is this is a dairy company that's actually now investing in plant-based. So the, there's something good has come out of the bad, you know. I know it's looking at it from a simple perspective, but um, it, it sort of works for me. I just, I just think we need to infiltrate these businesses. We need to infiltrate the existing infrastructure as much as possible um, so that we can change from within. Because if we remain as outsiders, you know, it's a lot more difficult to affect change. But when you're on the inside, you've got a lot more chance to... Um, to shift the needle in the right direction much faster. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was uh, one part I really enjoyed um, during that previous talk and um, we'll have to get and link it in with the show um, so people can watch that full talk because yeah, it's really fascinating to see your point of view on it. And it really helped us sort of open my eyes on, you know, how I'm voting with my wallet. But um, yeah. so we've talked uh, already a little bit about, you know, sort of the investment side of it and currently, um, well, at the time of researching this, you were investing about eight different uh, game-changing sort of companies with Veg Capital. Yeah. Um, some things look absolutely brilliant on paper, but they don't always have the legs. Is there anything um, that you do to sort of help you decide which projects you want to back? Yeah. Um, so, so we're interested in a few niches within a niche really so obviously the vegan plant-based scene is a, is a niche at the moment um and we're particularly interested in um meat alternatives alternative proteins um dairy alternatives um egg replacements um we're also interested in cultured cell-based agriculture um th those are our two prior primary areas we have already invested in other areas but going forward we, we want to um to, to invest more in those type of companies um there's a chap called chris kerr at new crop capital talks about share of stomach so it's it's investing in products where people eat the most of um so you know chicken fish people are eating a lot of that dairy products they have a high share of the stomach um, so that's that's the way we're thinking. So, um, you know, for example, we 
we, we're, we're less interested in, in investing in uh, vegan products that are already, you know, their competition is vegan products anyway, because we're not making affecting change as fast then. So, for example, um, I don't know, a, a, a fruit and nut snack bar, which, you know, is vegan. That's great. Um, but, you know, the competition is probably already mostly vegan anyway. Um, and, the, you know, when people are eating that, it's not a direct replacement for something that is, is, is heavy in terms of animal products. So that's the sort of core area that we're looking for. And then in terms of um, sort of criteria that we're looking for, we, we have um, uh, a pitch guidance uh, page on our website where and there's sort of 10 key areas that we're looking for in terms of uh, the proposals that come our way so you know we and I can't remember all 10 of them but it's things like um, what's the problem is this a genuine problem that you're solving is the solution a realistic solution for the problem um, what is your team like what's your marketing plan like um, you know what's the traction to date so we're really looking for uh, companies that have potentially already got a minimum viable product, and it, you know, there's, there's, they can show some sales traction, um, and, and that gives us sort of a comfort that this is, um, you know, a, a, a company that we'd we'd like to support, and we think there's a, a real chance that they're going to be successful. Um, and and then obviously you get into the nitty gritty evaluations and and all of that awkward stuff. Well, I'm finding it awkward at the minute, do you? <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, if you could put that in the link to, you know, if anybody is interested, we, we, we would certainly, for everybody, before contacting us to read through the pitch guidance so they've got a better idea of what we're looking for. It's also great advice for them, you know, not just with us, but if they're looking for investment from anywhere, just to get an idea of what investors really are looking for and what is likely to be... Um, successful business going forward yeah definitely no it's a good idea we'll definitely provide that link i'm sure there must be a lot of people that are um you know at home that have got a really good um you know brilliant food business or an idea or you know either yeah. they've got one themselves or they know somebody who has and you know where do we go from here so yeah we'll definitely do that um, thank you. It really struck a chord with us at um, VegFest, uh, another one of the brilliant talks that you gave when you said we are helping the animals who aren't in need yet, as in the ones who are still alive, which is, you know, so true. And when we donate to an animal sanctuary or a charity, it makes us feel really great. But um, at the same time, we often bulk at some of the, the prices of the plant-based products. So should we yeah. perhaps be viewing this differently, you know, and recognizing that by paying a little more for, for the plant-based innovations, we are also still ha helping the animals by changing that demand? Yeah, so I, I, I see it quite a lot on, on social media where there's complaints about the prices of vegan products. And um, having seen what, you know, the, the other side of things, you know, the businesses themselves and, and their the cost to manufacture and, and the supply chain um, costs involved, and and also realizing that a lot of these companies are actually at this point in time pre you know pre profit. They're not making profits anyway. Um, you know they're, they're scaling their businesses up and, and such like. I think we should just be a little bit more um, um, supportive uh, and understanding that um, that it's going to take time 
for these companies to reach scale and economies of scale to be able to compete on a like-for-like basis with uh, the animal-based products. So, you know, personally, I'm comfortable knowing that um, that, that companies are um, potentially making profits out of uh, out of my purchases. Um, so, and I, I, then if you look at it from a retailer perspective, if supermarkets uh, are actually finding that they're making more money out of the plant-based products than they are out of the animal-based products, you know, because there is a higher gross margin on those products, then they're going to start providing more shelf space. They're going to start promoting those products a lot more because it's in their interest to do so. So, yeah, I'm easy going on it. Um, I, I know I'm in a slightly privileged position that I, you know I can afford to as well. Um, so you know I do I do sympathise and I'm, you know try, again try not to be judgmental, but um, but I, I just think if if people can afford it to pay a little bit extra for the vegan products, then that's really helping the movement grow and helping to uh, facilitate the, the growth of the sector really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's about voting with your wallet, isn't it? And that vote helps the animals in the long run. So, um, yeah. 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 But, but we do need to, as you know, with a lot of these products, we need to, to get much closer to price parity um, because it's, I've often used the analogy of to, to, to go, to make the decision to go vegan. It's a bit like, um, uh, use the high jump analogy like if you're in the 70s or 80s to, to go vegan it was like the bar was really high you had to do one of those what do you call them, finsbury flops or whatever to get over there um you know so you had to be highly committed to want to be vegan because you know there, there was no products you know you just had to eat fruit and vegetables and a lot of uh, vegans that i know in the uk talk about that sauce mix sauce mix is it or you had to make your own Sausage I remember mix. that when I went vegetarian, yeah. I grew up in the UK, yeah, and that was one of the yeah. first things I got was the sausage mix. It wasn't that yeah. great. It was all no, right. No, this is it. <laughs> you know, and 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 the the soya milk and stuff wasn't so great twenty years ago. Um, so so the the bar was really high, and I think what's been happening over the years is the bar is getting lower and lower. So when I went vegan eight years ago, I still had to do a bit of a backflip to get over there but um you know it, it was it was doable i didn't need to train for two months to to be able to do that you know um and you know i think with veganuary and uh, a lot of the organizations in the uk speaking from a uk perspective you know the, the number of options that are that are coming to market it, it's it's a bit lower than it was eight years ago when i did it so maybe people can almost step over it now um so to get it to a point where it's literally people can just literally skip over this this bar, then we need to get the price of vegan products comparable or even lower. We can get meat alternatives tasting as good as meat or better and for less money. Then you're not we're not going to have people arguing about it anymore. It's just going to be natural. It's just going to be obvious. And you know we're not quite there yet, but. Um, there's, there's promising signs, and in, in 10, 20 years, then hopefully, hopefully it'll just be, the, the bar will be so low that people will just be walking straight over it. I really look forward to that day, and um, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's one of the times when uh, dropping the bar is, is, a, is a positive thing, you know, and um, 
yeah, I really look forward to that. But um, a massive 99% of the animals on this um, planet are farm animals compared to the 1% in laboratories, shelters, and other situations. Um, yet when it comes to charitable giving um, to help animals, animal causes, 60% of that um, goes to shelters. This is something that Veg Capital is also helping to change with the profits um, you make as a company. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, there's a disproportionate amount of um, you know, charitable giving. Well, firstly, most charitable giving goes to human causes. Um, but in terms of the money that goes to animals, it, yeah, it's, it goes to... <clears throat> um, yeah, to the to the one percent rather than the ninety nine percent, and then even when you look at the the ninety nine, um, you know, the the money that's going to vegan causes, there's a higher proportion of that that's going to sanctuaries than is going to um, uh, uh, campaigns that are campaigning to sort of solve the problem in the first place, if you like, and actually trying to get people to stop eating eating animal products. So. Um, I, I believe it's one of the, if not the biggest challenge that our movement has got, certainly from a campaigning perspective, is that there just isn't enough funding, there isn't enough money, so that the organisations are all um, bootstrapped, really. I mean, Veganuary is as an example. We've been going for six or seven years now. We, um, we're a UK-registered charity. We've had quite good brand awareness and, and a level of success in the UK. But our turnover is still about 1.2 million, which is minute compared to some a lot of bigger charities. Um, and it's not just us. There's so many other great campaigns, campaigning groups out there that are also similarly struggling to, to raise the funds. Um, so things are changing a little bit. There's the whole effective altruism movement, which is sort of identified this to some extent and they're sort of focusing on uh, trying to um, encourage more money to go to these uh, campaign groups like um, like Veganuary, like ProVeg, and that are working on the diet change aspect. And in terms of uh, Veg Capital, um, so I, I, to be honest, I forgot to mention this when we were talking earlier, but yeah, all of our profits go to charity. Um, we, we haven't made any profits yet. Um, it's going to be and the profits that we make will will happen when companies that we invest in exit in at some point. So you're looking at probably a three to five year minimum timescale for that to happen. So, you know, when a company that we've invested in is bought out by a bigger player or they do an IPO or private equity investment or whatever. But at that point in time, if we've invested £250,000 in a, in a, in a startup, and we get 10 times revenue on that, which is what we're aiming for with all of our investments. So we've got two and a half million. We will be investing that all of that money into effective animal diet change charities um, in the UK and Europe. So, um, I mean, we're, we're still a few years away from that, but um, we'll be keen to try and work out which at that point in time is, is doing the greatest good um, for, for animals and working on that 99% sort of problem that we've, we've mentioned. That's awesome. Warms my heart just thinking about that with the, with the future, you know, and um, yeah, it must be such an exciting time and such, a, such an awesome thing to be part of. I mean, according to the statistics yeah. that we've seen, 
which is probably, I don't know, could be a few years old for all we know now, but, um, you know, Veganuary has resulted in at least 20 million animals' lives being spared, which is phenomenal. You know, um, how does that make you feel, instigating something like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's to be honest, it's difficult really to calculate these things, so it's, it's a bit of a... Um, well, let's put an estimate to it, but um, oh, listen, I'm, me and Jane feel like it's the best idea we've ever had was Veganuary. And, uh, you know, we, we, we know we've, we've seen so many, so much anecdotal evidence of how we've um, changed people's lives, you know, forever for the better. We, we've seen the impact that we've had on, on some of the, the corporate world. So, um, yeah, we're very pleased and proud of, of what we've achieved, but we can't let Russ rest on our laurels neither there's so much more to do and uh, you know when when I, I went vegan and seven eight eight nine years ago I, I lose track um, but um, yeah we were like 0.25 percent of the population at that point in time I mean when I went vegan I'd never met another vegan before I just I just decided to do it with absolutely no support from anybody um, now it's maybe one to two percent in the UK, and I think there's been progress around the world, but it's still way too slow for the animals. So we've we've all got to just keep doing our best, trying to do it as effectively as we can, um, and we'll get there in the end. Um, I'm sure we will. Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you have found it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Matthew's most recent project, check out VFC. .co.uk. Once again, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms for future episodes. This has been Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals.